0: And today we're going to learn how to win with the battle of impatience. Everybody say, How to win the battle of impatience. Yes. Now, I know as well as you know, this is a message for all of us. How many would say, For me, too? How to win the battle of impatience. If you will turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, 25, you've got them on your phone. Or if you still bring a paper Bible, or it's also going to be on the screens in the English standard version. And uh, if you will, one more time, stand for the reading of God's word and we'll pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 25 says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with what? Let me say this again. But if we hope, that that's basically describing faith. If we hope for what we do not see, faith, we're trusting God for something we don't yet see. The Bible says, Paul writes here in Romans chapter 8, we wait for it with what? I want you to shout that word with me. Say patience. Yes. Easier said than done, isn't it? Amen. And I, I hope you have notebooks or Pull your notes out on your phone, because I'm going to give you a whole lot of uh, uh, pointers today to, to maybe apply. But let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God. Help us to wait for the promises of God that we have with patience. Help us to be patient with you, patient with others. Help us to win within the battle of impatience, God. Anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray, God, not one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God into our hearts in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, And my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. High five two or three people and say, hey, you be patient. About a year ago, the Lord laid on my heart for Holly and I to... Attend uh, Pastors University. It's Larry Stockstill in Louisiana. He does uh, four four weeks out of four months, 50 lessons over 50 years of ministry, and it was just incredible. Not last week, but the week before it was our first week to go, and uh, and we went down there. It's just a, it's an unbelievable week, and um, so unbelievably poured into it. I've never been around someone so filled with the Holy Spirit yet so humble. So grandfatherly. It's just it was just a, an amazing time, and so we flew down to New Orleans uh, on Monday of that week. And isn't it good to see Todd and Jessica, Dave's with us? How about you? Good to see you. Welcome. We love y'all. Welcome home. Amen. And uh, we went. Uh, we went to. Uh, we flew in New Orleans on that Monday, and my. I don't know, allergies were just eating me alive all day long on the planes and the layover in Chicago and the whole deal. And I mean, I was just miserable. I was beginning to get like hay fever. So I took a couple of Benadryl and I took a shower and I said, man, I'm going to go to bed early. You know, we we're hit the ground running in the morning. And um, I was going to go to bed about 730, maybe eight. Man, I was just miserable. A couple of Benadryl. Man, I'm ready to be lights out. And Holly says, I, "I think I want some food." Well, you know, first rule of thumb they tell you in New Orleans, the good rule of thumb, don't go anywhere at night. So, that's so it's nighttime. So she said, "I want we'll just get something around the corner." So I said, "Okay, well I'll drive you." So we drove around there. You know, I threw some shorts, t-shirt on. We come back, and we put the key in our deadbolt lock, and it and it doesn't work. And then it just begins to turn. So we call the innkeeper. And the innkeeper comes, and the innkeeper says, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with the deadbolt. The next thing you know, the, the, the owner of the little inn comes. She can't figure it out. At this point, I'm fairly miserable. They have a little seating area. And here they come with their tools. Two women and a guy who doesn't know a hammer from a saw. And they start beating, and it sounds like construction going on. And I am tired. I am. I am so miserable. I just want to go to bed. The owner's like, man, if we, I've owned this 14 years. I've never had a deadbolt go bad. I mean, if you could only imagine what we went through to even get to this place. And then the night before, we're supposed to get poured into. I can't even get in my room. All of our stuff's in the room, so we can't just go to another room. Cause all of our our stuff's locked in there. You can't get in or out of the room. They start hammering. They're beating on doorknobs. They're beating on locks. They're con locksmiths. There's not a locksmith in the city that can come. We're sitting out there. I finally fall asleep sitting straight up in the chair. A couple of Benadryl later and a long day of travel. It it is well after 11 o'clock, almost midnight, before we finally, they break the whole doorknob and the whole door to get us in. And I said, look, I don't care. I'll sleep with the door open. Just let me get in there and get to bed. And that's what we did. We just cracked the door and went to sleep and just said, well, you all deal with it tomorrow when we're at the thing. You know, God helped us to have some patience. It would have been very easy to be upset. It would have been very easy to fly off the handle. It would have been very easy to be irritated. But realizing there's nothing really they could do, we just had to kind of sit there and endure it. And we did maintain our patience. Even though we were miserable, tired, wanted to go to sleep. At that moment, folks, impatience was a battle for your pastor. (laughs) Everyone has a private battle. Sometimes our biggest battles are beneath the surface. Sometimes our biggest battles are within. So how do you win within concerning impatience? Because we all deal with it from time to time. The word patience means the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. That was absolutely the definition of what I was having to do that night when I wanted to go to bed so bad. Have you ever found yourself... Saying things like these. Maybe you hired someone to do a job. And maybe you think, why can't they just get the job done? You ever found yourself saying something like that? Or why can't they just get it right? Why can't they just get it done in my time frame? Why is it never done in the time frame in which I ask it? Have you ever been there before? Has anybody been there? Maybe when you're listening to someone, you're in a hurry. And you think, can they just spit it out? Get to the point? Don't beat around the bush. Just give it to me. Have you ever tried to and had to go somewhere and you think, man, at least these people could drive the speed limit or could do me the favor of getting in the right lane and get out of my way? Is there anybody like me? Some of you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Listen, I don't see a whole lot of halos out there where I'm looking, but I do see some horns, so let me just keep on. (laughs) Have you ever thought, why is this waitress so slow? What is this cashier doing? This is not talk time about Granny Wilson. Check them out and let's go. i got somewhere to be. Have you ever ordered a meal and it was an hour before you got your food and you were not thinking very highly of either the cook, the waitress, the server, the restaurant, all the above? Why is my food not coming? Am I preaching to anybody? Don't worry, I'm going to get on you before it's over with. Amen. Somewhere, some example is going to get you. When you get off, when you get cut off, and I get cut off from our objective in any way, we usually get impatient. Here's what the Bible says Ephesians 4 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be what? Be what? That lets me know that it's an action, it's something that I have to do. Bearing with one another in love. Poke your neighbor and say, I'm bearing with you in love right now. So what do you do? How do you win within with the battle of impatience? Well, point number one is this. Learn to wait. Just shout it out with me. Say, learn to wait. Poke your neighbor and say, learn to wait. Look, waiting can grate your nerves and prolonged waiting will grate your nerves. Proverbs 13, 12 says this hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many's ever felt that? But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. The word wait in Webster's dictionary means to remain stationary in readiness or expectation, to look forward expectantly, to hold back expectantly. Are you looking forward expectantly for your miracle? Are you looking forward expectantly for our Rehoboth? Are you looking forward, expectantly believing that what you've been praying for, God's going to answer? Waiting is my least favorite thing in the world to do. How many of you would join me and say, waiting is my least favorite thing in the world to do? Waiting for a plane that is delayed? Waiting in a traffic jam? Waiting at Kings Island for two hours to ride a 30-second ride? Or some other theme park? waiting for the business deal to finalize it keeps dragging out waiting for the house contract to finally come through and actually close and now it's your house waiting for all these years for Rehoboth waiting for God to answer prayers that you've been praying for for years i'm talking about prayers that you deal i'm impatience on a daily basis i'm talking about long patience Waiting on God. If you are single, waiting for God to bring the right person into your life and not just settling for any person. Waiting for that God given spouse that God has sent you and not giving yourself away to someone who is not supposed to be your spouse. Can I get a good amen? If we're going to win within, we've got to learn to wait on the Lord. Everybody say, wait. wait. This means to just sit in his presence and be still and be calm, and just quiet, and relax, and just wait on God. It is is you sitting in His presence saying, God, I give my impatience to You. I trust You. How many of you believe God has your best interest at His heart? How many of you believe that God has our church's best interest at His heart? Then we must simply wait on the Lord. God seldom does anything quickly. Listen, God will not let us make mistakes. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. To be still means to sink, relax, drop down, to cease striving. God says, I want you to cease striving. I want you to just chill out. Take a chill pill in Spanish, tranquila. In other words, just chill out. I believe God is saying to us, just everybody chill out. I will work things out in my timing. Do you believe that? Do we still believe that? I didn't say it was fun. I didn't say, in fact, I've recently said, God, if, if it were up to me, I'd speed this process up a little bit. And God reminds me, well, I'm God and you're not. So you got to know that God has your best interest. Do you trust God so implicitly that you can wait on Him and wait on His timing? Isaiah 40, 31, very familiar, says, But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look, we don't even like to be patient in the prayer closet. We want to run in there like it's a fast food restaurant. At breakneck lightning speed with our prayers that we're talking so fast we don't even make sense. And we're wanting God in breakneck lightning speed to just answer everyone. Don't worry, I knew what you were trying to say. Bam, bam, bam. Okay, go run off. We don't even want to be patient in the presence of God. Imagine what your life would be like if you could patiently wait on God. Imagine... What it would be like to be able to have patience to wait for God to bring the right person into your life to marry, to patiently wait for our Rehoboth, to patiently wait for your healing. When I tell you that not one legitimate opportunity has presented itself, I got an email we did from the realtor that said, Hey, there's something that might actually work for you to go look at on Thursday. By by Friday night or Saturday, Dale Texas said, It's already sold. We can't even go see something. Am I discouraged? No, that's just one more thing that wasn't the right thing. That's just God, he keeps blocking, blocking, blocking. And I can assure you that when the right thing opens up, there will be no uh, sold sign on the property. There will be no, it's already occupied. We've already got our place. It's ours. We're just waiting on the timing of God. Do you believe that still? Amen. Amen. God moves in his own time frame. Watch this. Galatians 3.15. Or Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first scripture in the Bible prophesying the coming Messiah. God is talking to the serpent. Ultimately Satan. This is the first scripture in the Bible declaring that there's a coming Messiah. And guess what? The devil did bruise his heel when he put nails through it, but Jesus bruised and crushed his head. But you know, when God said this, it was 4,000 years before Jesus came to this earth. When God speaks something to us, he doesn't do it overnight. In Genesis 6, God told Noah, I want you to build an ark. It was 100 years later before there was a raindrop on the earth. Joseph dreamed that one day he would be in some kind of authority over even his family. And it was 13 years of dungeons and prisons and pits and all kinds of problems before God brought it to pass. David was anointed king at roughly 16 years old. It was 14 years later when he was 30 after he had been running for his life from Saul and living in caves and dens and nooks and crannies for 14 years before he finally became king. The books of Thessalonians, first and second, were written somewhere around mid-century, mid-first century. We're talking at most 20 years after Christ's death. And then the book of Revelation was written in 95 AD, which is like 1900 and something years ago. And they're filled with prophecies and teachings about the second coming of the Lord and the rapture and the millennial reign and the end of the days. Well, guess what? It's been 2,000 years. It doesn't mean because he's delaying things for a time that it's not going to happen. It just means God does things in his own time. The point is this. We pray prayers and we get impatient with God when he doesn't answer in the next 12 seconds. Sometimes I think God doesn't answer our prayers right away because He wants to slow us down and develop some patience. There's an old story that was told of a farmer that woke up one morning. It was told by Kenneth Hagan or Smith Wigglesworth, I can't remember. He woke up one morning, he was very disturbed in his spirit. Have you ever felt that way before? And he began to pray at his kitchen floor, and one hour turned to two hours, and three, and four hours. And he, he was a farmer. Animals had to be fed. Things had to be done. And he kept praying. He couldn't feel the release. Four hours turned into five, six, seven, eight, nine hours praying in his kitchen. He finally felt the release. He didn't know what he was praying for. Several days later, he got a letter in the mail from his daughter, who was a missionary. She'd contracted malaria and was very, very ill. She said, on this particular day, at this particular time, I'm not sure what happened, but everything changed, and it's like every symptom went away, and I was completely healed of malaria. When he tracked down the day and time, it was the exact time that he felt the release from prayer in his kitchen area. What if he would have quit praying at four hours? What if he had quit praying at five hours or 20 minutes? I think many times we don't see the miracles of God because we're not patient enough to wait until he says it's done. 2 Peter 1, 5-7 says this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. That's another word for patience. In fact, some translations translated that. And he says, add to your self-control, perseverance, or patience, and to your perseverance or patience, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and a mutual affection, love. Listen, we can't run into the God's prayer closet like a Banshee warrior and whirlwind like the Tasmanian devil and think God's going to just answer us at our speeds. We've got to slow down. I remember when my kids were small, they were from time to time... They, You know, I'd come home and, they're, and they can see I'm in a hurry. So here they come, their little legs, they're trying to run beside me. And they're dead, And they can see that I'm in a hurry and I'm not really interested in a conversation at the moment. And they'll say, they would say from time to time, they'd say, oh, I just never mind. At which point I would say, okay, Dallas, stop and give them your undivided attention. Everything else can wait. Or they'd say, I'll talk real fast. And they're talking and they're like panting. They're like, hey, and this, and this. And, and sometimes I would think, just, just chill out a minute. And I would stop because I don't want them to feel like they've got to run beside me and pant in some kind of crazy, talking fast language that I can't even understand, anyways, because I'm not willing to slow down long enough to hear what they're saying. I wonder, I wonder if when we are praying in the prayer closet, if we treat God the same way. God's got to feel like He's got to run beside us and pant to give us answers to our prayers because we won't stop long enough to give Him our undivided attention and say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. Is this all right to preach today? Imagine the breakthrough you might get if you patiently wait on God. Imagine what you would hear God say if you would just simply wait on Him and the results that would happen after that relationship. And that leads me to point number two. How do you win within with a battle of impatience? So first, got to learn to wait. Second, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Poke your neighbor and say, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say fruit. fruit. Watch this. I love this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What's that next word say? Amen. Say it out real loud again. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. Listen, we tend to look, I tend to look as the fruit of, of the fruit of the spirit, as if it's some type of emotion. Right? I need the emotion of joy. I want the serenity of peace. I need this. It's kind of aloof. It's kind of out there. How do you describe the fruit of the spirit? All that kind of thing. But I want you to think of it another way. It's kind of like a banana. A banana in a fruit basket is just a piece of fruit, right? Patience is like taking a banana from the fruit bowl. Just ask, Holy Spirit, can I have that patience, please? It's like Him handing you an orange out of the fruit basket. It is a fruit. It's something tangible that you can receive from the Holy Spirit into your life, and God can help you become more patient. He can help you have more joy. It's not an emotion. It's a fruit. It is a fruit of getting in the presence of God in the prayer closet. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit comes with it. Someone say amen. Do you know why one of the fruit of the the Holy Spirit is patience? Because He is so patient with you and me. (laughs) He is patient with all of our foolishness. He is patient with all of our faults, our weaknesses, our attitudes at times. He is very patient. He is patient with the world who blasphemes His name. He is patient with the world who deliberately lives in sin. He is patient for people to repent. What if God offered you the same patience you offer to others? What if God right now said, I'm going to make you an offer, Leanne. For the next 365 days, I'm going to be as patient with you as you are with everyone else. How many would take that deal? Don't raise your hand, please. It's not going to turn out good for you. When I don't have patience, watch this, I've stopped connecting with God. I haven't learned to slow down long enough to connect with my life source. I wonder how many times we've rushed into the prayer closet... And about the time we settle our minds and our spirits down, and we finally settle down, the alarm goes off. We feel like, i got to go do this. Our mind is racing a 1,000 miles away. And we get up and we leave the prayer closet about the time God was going to answer our question. I wonder how many times we've left our prayer closet and left the presence of God to go do whatever. And God said, well, here's the answer to them four things. Sorry you were in a hurry today. This is good preaching, amen. amen. I hope I'm bothering you. <laughs> when we stay close and patient in our prayer closet and in worship, you know what? God will soothe our raw emotions. God will, He will ease our trying moments. We will develop a grateful heart instead of a complaining attitude. Someone say, amen. amen. I've asked God to give me more patience, patience in traffic, and you know what? He's doing it. Am I perfect? No. But if I'm sitting there in a right lane of a street and someone's trying to get out and they got their blinking and they make eye contact, you know what I'm talking about. You're in a hurry and you hope you don't see them, right? You're looking away. I don't see you. So I can go. You know what I start doing? I just wave them on it. Come on. You know what they do? Puts a smile on their face. They wave back. I lost about three seconds of my life. When I'm going down the interstate and someone's a little faster than me and they put their blinker on to come over, I just wave them on over. Why? Because, hey, I lost two seconds of my life, but they smile and wave and they, you know, they're happy. I'd a whole lot rather them wave with all their fingers and a smile on their face than wave one finger in one hand, a gun in the other, and have road rage. Somebody say amen. Yeah, and I've lost five seconds of my life that day. I bless somebody. Listen, am I perfect? No. I mean, we're all working on this. But imagine your life with the fruit of the Spirit called patience. How much more joy would you have? How do you win within with the battle of impatience? I'm going to get real practical now. Number three, build in margins. Boy, this is where we're going to really lay it down here for just a moment. Most impatience, watch this, comes from procrastination. Oh, I'm going here. Most impatience comes from procrastination. If you're going to win within concerning impatience, you've got to quit procrastinating. Delaying leaving when you should, leaving no time for traffic problems. So now you're in the car panting and about to blow a gasket, and you're wondering why everyone's driving so slow in front of you. It could be that you started out on the process three minutes later than what you should have. And you did, you didn't account for any issues whatsoever. everything had to every star had to align, and a miracle of God had to happen across the bridge to Kentucky to get you to where you're supposed to be on time and Then you wonder why you're so angry gripping the wheel and saying, "Ah but if you just left ten minutes earlier, you wouldn't have that problem i 'm going to go there. So what happens? You delay to starting a, a project that you, when you needed to. So you left yourself no margin for error. The result of things is a compressed schedule with not enough time to accomplish your goals. At least with any lack of stress and, and, and insanity left in your head. So start early. Leave margin for error. It never hurts to arrive early. If you're in school, it never hurts to turn in that homework or that paper early. They're not going to discount you. The teacher's not going to say, you turn this homework in three days early. I'm giving you 10 off. They're probably going to kiss you. Say, my God, I've been teaching 25 years. I've never had anybody turn in one early. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Now impatience has no opportunity because you're not late. Here's some practical ways. Write these down. How to build in margin and beat impatience. Set a backup alarm. How many of you have ever set your alarm on your phone for p.m. without realizing and it didn't say a.m. And you woke up and you missed and you thought, "What in the world you're checking your alarm and it got on p.m. instead of a.m. Has that ever happened to anybody? Am I the only one that's ever happened to you? Okay, me and Caitlin, a couple of us. All right. When traveling, ask for a wake-up call in addition to your phone. How many of you have ever plugged your phone in? And you thought you would have plugged it in, you got it close, but not there was no connection. And in the middle of the night, those very important alarm clocks were supposed to go off, and your battery died on the phone. And you know what? Those cell phones is kind of a funny thing. If they're out of battery, the alarm's not going off. Do you hit snooze? Well, then set your alarm clock around the other side of the room if need be. How many of you have subconsciously hit snooze, snooze, snooze and woke up an hour later and you're supposed to and thought, somebody did something to my alarm. No, nobody did anything to your alarm. You did it. How many know what I'm talking about? How to build in margin. Listen, I set two alarms now. I set two alarms five minutes apart. So if one doesn't bother me enough, the next one will bother me. And it, and it does. It irritates me to get up. It's like, oh, but well, this thing just shut up. You know, I'm hitting, mashing the phone, and I'm the one that set it to go off. How to build in margin and beat impatience? Live by the 15-minute rule. Add 15 minutes to your alarm. Look, you can always sit by the door ready to go, rather than running around like your hair's on fire. Imagine what it would feel like to not ever feel like you're having to run for your life to get to the next appointment. To be calm and at peace with no stress of time. Add 15 minutes to each appointment each day. If the first one runs over, then you've got that time. If not, you can always make a quick phone call, take a break, clean your desk off, whatever. Add a little time to your appointments. Here we go. Add 15 minutes to your departure time for every appointment. Someone once said if a person is important enough to see, they're important enough for you to be there 15 minutes early. You ever gone to a meeting and you were on time by the skin of your chinny, chin, chin, but you're panting, you're, 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 you're sweating? They're like, dude, why are you sweating? Because, man, I had to run a half mile all out to get here on time. Ever been there? And then you can't even think straight in the meeting. You know what? We do that with God in our prayer closet. We run in there like a banshee warrior, and we run out seven minutes later and say, oh, God, it was good, and we miss the whole. Deal about prayer time how do you build in margin and beat impatience fly one flight early you'll take the stress off if you will go one flight early for a critical connection i.e do not get a connecting flight with 30 minutes to spare because you ain't making it Better to take one flight earlier. There are shops, cafes, restaurants, there's all kinds of things to do in airports now. Better to chill out and be stress free and not yelling at the TSA agent for not going fast enough because you have left yourself no time. How to build in margin and beat impatience? Pack the night before. On trips, always pack the night before you leave. Waking up like a goose in a hailstorm is a recipe for you forgetting your wallet, forgetting your passport, forgetting your meds, leaving your toothbrush. You'll get on the airplane. You don't forgot a whole suitcase. Why? Because you didn't leave yourself enough time. It also pays to hang your outfit on the hook or somewhere the night before. Because if you wake up and you're running there like a a chicken with your head cut off, at least you're not digging through the drawer going, I know my favorite pair of socks were just here. And screaming, Holly, what did you do with my socks? That usually doesn't work out well. Bad. First of all, I wear a size 12. She's like a size three. Why would she know where my socks are? <laughs> How to build in margin and beat in patience? Set critical alarms during the day. Look, if you're one of those people that gets zoned out in life and activity and you lose all track of time, set an alarm on your phone. Set an alarm to go off to jog your memory. Hey, you got like five minutes. You better get it in gear. Do this 10 minutes before someone's picking you up. So maybe you're in a conversation with someone or you're doing something. Instead of feeling like you have to look at your watch every two seconds so you don't miss the time. Set an alarm so you can give them undivided attention or you can keep reading or doing whatever you're doing. And let the phone be the reminder. Is this good stuff today? This is the kind of stuff in how you beat impatience. Is anybody impatient? I need to know I went to the right church today. Does anybody struggle at times with impatience? Okay, so maybe these things are helping. I set calendar reminders to go off twice. So I'll put a meeting or something in my, in my phone. And down at the bottom, there's alerts. You can set two alerts. But listen, if you set an alert for five minutes before the meeting time and the meeting time's 30 minutes away, that doesn't do you any good. You're 25 minutes late. But if you know your meeting place is 30 minutes away, set that alert two hours ahead of time. You may have legitimately forgot totally about that appointment. you got a lot going on. you got a lot going on in your mind. Well, when that thing goes off, you think, why is this going off? Oh, yeah, i got an appointment here. Guess what? You now have an hour and a half before you have to leave. You can prepare yourself. Is this okay today? This is just applicable stuff to help. Doing these things will help eliminate procrastination and eliminate impatience. And then you will enjoy the rest of your time. One pastor at Pastor's University flew out very late Monday, and the city they flew from, the plane was late, getting them to their connecting city, to which they missed that last possible flight of the day. So they had to stay in the airport, a hotel there by the airport, get up in the morning, first thing in the morning, try to fly all the way across the country to New Orleans, get in the rental car, and get to the first session by 9 a.m., they came into the first session late, panting, feeling stressed. How much do you think they got out of the first session? How long did it take them to settle themselves down to where they could actually receive what was going on? We run in here at church at 3 in the afternoon. We parked the car at 3.07. The car hasn't even stopped and we're telling the kids, jump. But daddy, daddy, nothing, jump. Run to kids' church. But you got to check me. I don't care, go. And we parked the car. The car didn't even stop. We're throwing it in park, screeching wheels, running in here, sweating. The first song's already over. Then we leave worship and we go, man, I didn't get a lot out of church today. Well, I guess not. You missed all of worship because it took you the next three songs to settle yourself down. And now because you haven't really engaged in the presence of God, you're not hearing anything that God's having to say. This is good preaching here. I better, keep, I better go on. Amen. If you're going to win within with impatience, eliminate procrastination. Imagine, imagine having stress-free patience because you've built in margin. And then lastly, this may be the most important How do you win within with a battle of impatience? Honor all people. If you're going to win within with impatience, you've got to give honor to all people and respect all people. When we're impatient, watch this, we dishonor and we disrespect other people. We treat people as a commodity versus the people that they are. And we certainly don't act in love. 1 Peter 2.17 says this, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God. Watch this, honor the king. Now stop right, just leave this up for a moment. Honor the king, honor the emperor. That's the actual correct translation. Watch this. When Peter wrote this, the emperor was Nero. He was the first Caesar to be hostile to Christians. God said, honor the emperor. This is the guy going around in his chariot with his gay lover and Christians tied to poles, lathered up in oil. And he says, hey, watch this. Set them on fire. And he burnt them to a crisp. This is the Nero, the emperor that God said. Who wrote the Bible? Was that Peter or was that the Holy Spirit? Well, I knew I was going to get quiet in here on this. How many still want to know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit said, honor the guy that's feeding the Christians to lions in the Colosseum. But then you preach in today's day and age and you say, hey, whether you agree with what the president's politics or not, you're supposed to honor that man and not talk bad about him. Honor is the language of heaven. Honor is the character of heaven. When we get impatient... We dishonor people and so we dishonor God. See, sometimes our impatience with people acts as if they can move mountains and walk on water. Take a look around the next time in your restaurant. If the poor lady's got ten tables, half the restaurant, don't get mad because your drink's half empty. She's doing the best she can. Is this all right? This is good preaching here. Someone will say amen. And then don't yell at her and tell her Jesus loves her and give her a 25-cent tip either. Come on, somebody. I'm going to preach it today. I am on a roll today. Praise God. I'm having fun. Don't go in the Taco Bell and there's two people working there and wonder why you ain't getting your tacos instantly. I can tell you why. There's two people there amen we're in a hurry we get impatient and we want to ram the car in front of us run them off the road because how dare they run us slow so we buzz around them and it's a poor little 95 year old lady who can't even see over the steering wheel I'm preaching yes I am honor all people respect people. we're laughing because we've all been there and more than likely we were there because we had no margin we had to have everything line up perfectly to get on time. James 2.6 says it this way. But you have dishonored the poor man. God has a thing about honor and dishonor. Don't destroy a relationship to accomplish an objective. Let me say that again. Don't destroy a relationship to accomplish an objective. You can win the battle of impatience. You can win within. Imagine a world full of honor towards one another. Imagine a church where we always honor one another. Imagine a family that honors one another constantly. You know why we were sitting there in those chairs and they're beating on the doors and it's like a construction zone till well after 11 at night? The poor innkeeper, the owners, they're doing everything they can, making phone calls, beating on stuff. The innkeeper keeps coming over, and she says, she says, I don't know how to thank you for your graciousness, for what you, how you're acting. Then she proceeds to just share her life story with me and Holly. Throughout the week, it went from Dallas Howard to Pastor Dallas and Pastor Holly. And and we didn't do anything. We're just us. And by the end of the thing... She looks at me and she says, hey, I want to I thank you again for your graciousness with the fiasco. She said, you know, she said, if you're if I lived near your church, I'd go to your church. She came out to the car waving us down on our way out. She forgot to give us a piece of paper. And she knelt down and she was nearly in tears. She said, she said, I've never told anybody my story, not even the owner here. I don't know why I told you. She said, but you, you guys, I can just, you, you've made an impact. All we did was love on her. A little bit of patience, ministered to a lady that was out of church. We encouraged her. The church that we were training at was right next door. You should go to the church next door. It's right there. She said, I've thought about it. So I said, you should go. Listen, sometimes our patience can minister to someone who's completely unchurched. I wish I could say it was the case every time, but I can't. Imagine what your life would be without... Impatience. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes a moment? Jesus died on the cross for our salvation. But also for our impatience. You don't have to be bound by impatience in your life. Not anymore. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it is a fruit of God. You and I, we can beat impatience. You haven't asked Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. How can you expect Him to give you patience? If you're a believer, take your impatience and nail it to the cross right now. Nobody looking around, if you're in here and you say, I'm not even saved, I need to give my life to Jesus, would you slip your hand in there? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody? Perhaps there's one. How many of you, with no one looking around, would say, I need to nail my impatience to the cross? Would you raise your hand up? I just want to pray for you. There are hands all over this place. Patience with your children. Patience with your spouse. Patience with your extended family. Patience with your church. With everybody you come in contact with. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to fill us with patience. God, I pray by your grace. Help us right now to nail our impatience to the cross. Because you died for that. And God, we receive right now. Would you just hold your hands out to receive? God's going to do it. We receive right now the fruit of patience. Would you just say, just say, Holy Spirit, give me the fruit of patience. Come on, just tell him. Just tell him right out loud. God, fill me. Fill me with the fruit of patience. Come on, now's a good time to ask for it. Holy Spirit, reveal the areas that we've been impatient this week. Maybe God will bring a memory to your mind of how impatient you were with your child or your spouse or the coworker. Would you just, when He brings that to your mind, would you just repent and say, God, forgive me? Forgive me of that. Maybe you need to go back to that person and say, I'm so sorry, I was impatient with you. I, I ask you to forgive me. That's a good practical way to put this into play. This week, how many of you will stop, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit for patience when you're tempted to be impatient? I'm going to say, I'll do that. I'll do that. This week, how many of you will take one of these margins examples and apply them to your life? I want you, before you leave, to write down one or two of these tips. Apply it to your life this week. Maybe it's the alarm 15 minutes early. Maybe it's leaving the house 15 minutes before you normally would. Maybe it's, maybe it's setting two backup alarms. Whatever it is, would you take one or two of these tips, and maybe this is a good message where you go back online, it'll be posted later today and tomorrow and the rest of the week, and just re-watch it and just apply some of this. This week, when you're attempting to lose your patience with someone, ask the Holy Spirit to help you honor all people. That means a mean boss, a family member having a bad day, a person cutting you off in traffic, a snide comment from somebody. When those things happen, would you just stop, even if it's under your breath, and say, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit, help me to have patience with this person right now. And most importantly, this is the most important one, will you have patience with God while you wait on Him to answer your prayer? Will you have patience with God while you wait on Him to answer your prayer? feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now. And He is saying there are some in here you have dishonored people. You have dishonored some this week. You have dishonored some in the past. Whether you felt it was deserved or not, you dishonored them. And so you have dishonored God. And God is calling you to give them a call or meet in person and just ask their forgiveness. God is saying you need to release them. You need to forgive them. They've offended you. I feel this in the Holy Spirit. I feel this from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. There are some you have dishonored people around you. And God is saying you need to honor all people. Perhaps you've spoken out against the bosses to other people that work there, perhaps you've run down one family member to another. Perhaps you've run down your husband or your wife to everyone around you. Man, I feel a call for repentance. I'm not going to ask you to come front, but here's what I am going to ask you to do. Maybe just all of us that can, if you're physically able, right where you're sitting, maybe just put your knees on the ground and your elbows on the chair, and I want you just to go before the presence of God and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me Where I've dishonored or where I've been impatient. Help me win within the battle. Help me to get it right. Fill me with the fruit of patience. Just picture yourself taking that orange out of that fruit basket. That's what you're doing, taking that patience. Just receive it by faith now. Would you turn your place into an altar right where you're at? And just ask the Holy Spirit, Where have I been impatient with you, God? I'm demanded you answer my prayers right away. Why God forgive me.